Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. In South Dakota, we're looking forward to exploring new roads and wide open spaces. When you're ready to travel, go great places. Learn more at travelsouthdakota.com. Are you eating enough California walnuts? Is your mind as sharp as a Santoku knife? If Maria's mother had three children and the first child was named April and the second child was named May, what is her third child's name? Did you answer maybe, then no, then some name that wasn't Maria? Maybe it's time to start snacking on walnuts. Research continues to assess the connection between eating walnuts and cognitive performance. So the next time you're at your local Lucky or Lucky California, grab a bag of California walnuts. What's going on, Bird Gang? This is Darren Sproles here. I just want to thank you all for tuning in to Eagles Brawl, the Brawl Network. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating. Fly, Eagles, fly. This is a Brawl Network production. You're listening to the Eagles Brawl Podcast. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! Here to take you on the road to victory. It's Connor Miles, Ed Cross, Johnny Page, and Tyler Steege. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Eagles Brawl of the Brawl Network. However, you're listening, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Radio.com now, Stitcher, or wherever you're getting the podcast. We greatly appreciate it. Coach Connor Miles in the house. Our Eagles insider, Ed Cross, is joining us, thankfully, as well, after a busy day of press conferences and interviews with all these players on the Eagles. And we also have our uh, our host of Philly Sports with Giovanni joining the show Giovanni Hamilton as well. He wanted to get on here real quick because I think he has some couple questions for Ed, right, Giovanni? Yeah, what's up? All right, so I got some questions for Ed. What was it like to play with the new or to talk to the new goat? <laughs> the new goat, Travis Fulgham, you mean? That's who we're yes. talking about here. The new goat. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, you know, Travis is um the new goat, and I and he uh, he came out styling on the Zoom conference we had today. He had a really cool looking uh, uh, hat on his head. It was a bucket hat. Looked good. Um, so you know he's got some style and flash to go along with that game he put up there Sunday. Um, and you know he I I asked him. I hated to be the wet blanket. Everybody was asking him how his life has changed. And um, you know he said he's he's talked to elementary school teachers that he hadn't talked to in you know 15 20 years and old middle school friends and uh people that he hasn't talked to in a while that's kind of how his life's changed but i was the wet blanket and i said what do you say to people who think that what you did on sunday was a fluke and he said well we're just gonna have to wait and see i guess so um i don't think it was a fluke i think what he did is sustainable 
Um, and he could be the new goat, Giovanni. You might have to go out and get that jersey somewhere. Uh, 13. Yeah. yeah oh, he's already uh, talking about it. That yeah. was not a fluke. There's no way that that was a fluke. He's going to perform against the Ravens like he did last week. Yeah, I know. Don't get mad at me, Giovanni. I was just trying to do my yeah. job, you know, yeah. and, and kind of take the opposite approach. Everybody was asking him about, you know, the positive stuff, and I just mm-hmm. wanted to, you know, see what he thought about I mean, you can get a clear indication of where his head's at right now with the way he answered that. And I think the way he answered that showed a pretty confident wide receiver. Like, you know, I don't really have to say anything else at this point. I could just go on the field and keep doing what I'm doing, and then they're going to stop asking that question eventually. That's all I could do. That's yep. a confident wide receiver. And you know you know what, Giovanni? You know it yourself, too. The Eagles haven't had that many confident wide receivers. Oh. It's glad to add one that's really produced at a high level right now. I, I think you're right about the Ravens uh, prediction right there. I think Carson Wentz continues to ride the hot hand. And as long as his ball placement uh, to Travis Fulgham ha- was what it get, was against the Pittsburgh Steelers, Travis Fulgham's going to have another good game. I think he proved his Carson Wentz. That's his number one reliable target. Uh, great to see his confidence be boosted. You could tell that this guy is finally uh, – he feels like he belongs here. He feels like he belongs in the NFL. I think he had that welcome to the NFL moment when he had that touchdown catch against San Francisco. Uh Ever since Carson wrote him against Pittsburgh, now we're going into Baltimore this Sunday. I can't wait to see it keep happening. I can't wait to see the continuation of this chemistry develop. I think Carson once I agree with you guys. I don't think it's a fluke. I think he found his guy. If it if it was a fluke, this game will definitely tell you otherwise. Right. I think this I think this matchup will tell you otherwise because I think Carson once is going to go out again, like we've just been saying, and, and target Travis Fulgham at a heavy rate. I think he's going to continue to produce, though. I don't think you could just fluke catch these passes that he's this contested catches he's catching. The ones over the middle, like with three defenders on him. No, I don't think that's that, that's not fluke nope. style to me. That's talent. That's yeah, talent. that's not a fluke. Nope, you're right. Hey, you know what else is cool about it is now that people know him, you know, what other teams are aware of him, that might open up some things for guys like, um, you know, Zach Ertz, maybe, you know, mm-hmm. uh, maybe draw some of the attention away from Zach, maybe uh, open up something for Miles Sanders in the past game. I mean, when you have a weapon like that as a receiver, then that's going to help other guys too, because now you got to pay a little more attention to, uh, to Travis. Well, since we're starting yeah. off the show with the wide receiver talk, we might as well get into it. A lot of people are worried about Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson coming back, being a, a hindrance of this development that Travis Fulton showing uh, the, the bright sides of Greg Ward so far. And even even John Hightower, I know we're killing him for his ball tracking skills, but again, he's shown some bright spots this season for a rookie so far. And I know a lot of people seem to be worried about these guys returning ruining that. I'm on the fence thinking, you know, what Doug says in press conferences is what you would expect a coach to say about his players, no matter what stance they have on this team. I think they continue it. If I'm the Eagles, I'm looking at Ashawn Jeffrey coming back from this list, Frank injury. I'm not putting that much on him probably out the gate anyways. I, he's probably going to be on a snap count. Deshaun Jackson, I mean, they were already coddling him the way to start the season off. I don't see him returning from injury, changing any of that. I don't think these guys are going to affect the development because I don't think on game days the coaching staff will allow them to. I think this is just press conference talk. Well, here's the, I just got the injury report, you know, the uh, status report from the Eagles for uh, Sunday's game, and both Jackson and Jeffrey are out. You know, Doug seemed pretty optimistic when he talked earlier on Friday that he was hopeful that Jackson would be back, but um, the injury report that I just got lists um, Deshaun and Alshon both out. Lane Johnson's out. Um, Duke Riley's out. He was the leading tackler in Pittsburgh uh, last week um, with 12 tackles, so he's out. 
So there's there we go, Alex Singleton. Weren't we just talking about Alex Singleton mm-hmm. a little bit yes. off here? Um, but so at least for another week, we're not going to have to worry about it. And look, you know, you play four days later after Baltimore. So are Alshon and Deshaun going to be ready, uh, you know, to play four days after not playing Sunday? I don't know. We may be looking at a situation where the Eagles are going to ride with Travis and, um, you know, Greg Ward and these other guys, these young guys, Hightower, and then maybe Alshon and Deshaun come back in the mix after the bye, along with Jalen Rager. You wrote for Sports Illustrated that you would just move off of Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey yeah. at this point, focus on the youth anyways. I'm in full agreement on that. I know yeah. Deshaun Jackson's a Philadelphia fan favorite. Alshon, thank you for the Super Bowl and everything. But at this point in time, I think a lot of us are in agreement they're not going to be here next year. Uh, there's not Their future with the team is very bleak as it looks anyways, and they can't, we can't rely on them to stay healthy. I keep riding with this youth. I keep going with the continuation of youth. And like you said, Travis Fulton can open up some stuff for the young guys as well, like the Greg Wards, the John Hightowers, and then the Jalen Rager's transition coming back is easier now than it was before because he's attracting all this attention from the secondaries. He can come back, smoother transition, uh, rookie coming off of injury, still trying to find his way with the chemistry with the quarterback. I think Travis Fulton actually propels Jalen Rager when he comes back to add that playmaking ability because defenses won't take it as seriously as they were uh, weeks prior when he first started out. I, I'm i all in the youth movement and wide receiver, I think, at this point. I think I'm all in on that. I, Deshaun Jackson, Austin Jeffrey, I think hinder you. I think if they do, do you play a, if they play meaningful snaps, uh, anything above 60% of the snaps, I think that hinders what you can – I would want John Hightower, Travis Fulton, Greg Ward, Jalen Rager – was Watkins even to be prepared to uh, battle it out to be the future of my wide receiver corps and show me what you can do this season so I can evaluate it this offseason rather than hinder anything you could possibly give me by putting these guys that are not going to have long features on this team uh, out there on the field. That's just where I'm at. What do you think, Gio? Agree with that? Yeah, I think they need to stick with the new guys. Ooh, yeah, that's good. See. Giovanni's a hard diehard fan too. And he I know you love Deshaun Jackson. You have a signed jersey for him. And I know you're a big fan yeah. of Alshon Jeffrey. It's just you your analyst side is really, really starting to grow, man. I I, I don't know, Ed. I think he might take my job soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's no, man. The quicker you can retire, the better. Um I was I, I was gonna say about Deshaun, yeah. I mean, I you know, it's a shame he can't stay healthy because I, I think he still has a skill set that can Team. Just, you can't count on the guy. I mean, what did he? What's he played? He played a game last year before he got hurt, and then he tried to come back, and it didn't work out. And this year, he played. I guess he got hurt in the first half of week three, so he's already missed two and a half games. He's going to miss his third game this week. I mean, that to me just you can't count on that. Uh, if you have a guy that's in and out of the lineup, it, it's it's problematic. And, and we've maybe seen that a little bit on the offensive line, the way they've had to kind of you know, shuffle guys in and out. So, um, yeah, I think it's just time to move on do what you can to, to get rid of those guys. I don't think anybody would be interested in trading for them. Although you never know. I mean, maybe a contender, uh, who thinks that they can get into the playoffs and make some noise, maybe. Um, but probably not, you know, that's not really the way the NFL works. They'll probably just have to cut them and, and eat whatever they have to eat money wise. Right. Well, this is a good time to segue into the next, uh, segment. Uh, Ed, there's been so much, social media madness and podcasts and radio madness about who to blame for the defensive shortcomings. Do we blame Howie Roseman? Do we blame Jim Schwartz? Adam Kaplan dropped this new report about Jim Schwartz wanting Kenneth Murray in the first round this past draft and Jeremy Jinn in the second and how he completely nixed it. 
now we're at the point of wondering who's in charge of the personnel decisions on defense when we're all brought up to really where we're taught that Jim Schwartz is the head coach of the defense. He makes the personnel decisions. We were all in agreement on that up until probably I would say this week, honestly, uh, after Jim Schwartz's press conference, I think this is when the questions started to come up, who's making the decisions on defense or what, but I mean, what do you, what do you think of this stuff? Like, do you, cause I remember Jim Schwartz strong arguing the team into Zach Brown uh, when the front office was adamant of wanting Jamie Collins and they went with Jim Schwartz's decision. So I don't, I don't see the correlate not getting your draft targets. I think it's, is still different than having no say in personnel decisions. I think Jim still has that personnel decision. Yeah. I mean, listen, uh, the draft is Howie's baby. I mean, Jim, yeah, he calls the shots on defense and he can suggest to Howie who he wants. If he wanted Kenneth Murray, he can say, I want Kenneth Murray, but it's up to Howie to pull the trigger. He can, he can say, okay, Jim, I agree. We'll take him. But Howie just thought, I guess that Jalen Rager was the better uh, fit for the team uh, at that spot. Uh, You know, you could look at Patrick Queen, who the Eagles are going to see on, uh, on Sunday. He was available too out of LSU. He had a monster game last week, two fumble recoveries, nine tackles, um, huge game. And you look at the Eagles linebacker spot and, you know, it's a problem. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't think that uh, Jim would say, you know, you have to take Kenneth Murray or I'm leaving or anything like that. He's not giving him an ultimatum. He's just given his input as to who he thinks the team should draft. And then it's how he's called. And, you know, how he made the call to take Rager. I mean, it's that simple. I don't see any conflict here. I don't think, uh, you know, Schwartz, uh, has that kind of power to tell Howie you better draft him or I'm out of here or anything like that. I just think that, you know, he gave his two cents and it was up to Howie to either listen or not listen, and he chose to go in a different direction. He did address the defense, you know, obviously in the third and fourth rounds with uh, Taylor and um, and Wallace, uh, and then he got another linebacker late in the defensive end, Casey Tuhill, which is a shame he had to get picked up by Washington because I think he had a f- has a future – um, that was a bad move, I thought. And, um, but I, I think I think Schwartz, you know, maybe he's angry with that. Maybe he's doing that by not playing Sean Bradley and Davion Taylor more, maybe because he's just sticking it to Howie now because he didn't take his advice. I, maybe I could see that. But I'm not sure Jim's that vindictive that he would do that. I think Schwartz wants to win games. And he, I think if he thought Bradley and, and uh, Davion Taylor gave him that chance, then uh, he would play them, I would hope. Right. I think this is just uh, another hoopla of Philadelphia. We need to point fingers at somebody because we have to blame somebody right now because we're one, three and one. I, I, I would imagine that every defensive coordinator comes to their GM and has an opinion on who to draft and the GM doesn't always draft that said player. I mean, that sounds like football to me. Yeah. I don't know yeah. why we're going crazy over this. Uh, Jim said this and this didn't happen. I mean, the world would have been lit on fire if the Eagles would have taken a linebacker in the first round for the first time in forever. They don't. That's not something this team does. It's not something Howie Roseman does. Because I think, as much as we kill Jim Schwartz for his linebacking position, this has been something that Howie Roseman has been brought up on. Though we can't forget that this is. I mean, this is how he's been back with the Andy Reid tenure when we were shuffling Moses Foku and and Brian Roll and Omar Gaither and all these no name linebackers all the time. I I think if anybody undervalues the position, it does. It is Howie per se, but it's not like Jim's helping him out with how he's playing the linebackers either or who he's playing. So I, but I mean, the truth is, they just don't have talent in that position, but I'll tell you right now, if we go, if we rewind back to that draft, that draft night and the, it, the uh, Roger Goodell goes to the podium and he says, the Philadelphia Eagles select Kenneth Murray. Nobody's happy. Nobody's happy with that pick. They need, if they would have took anything outside of wide receiver, 
is Philadelphia would have burnt that down to the ground. I think personally, I think that now second round, of course you, you can have, you can debate that for the rest of your life. That they shouldn't mm-hmm. have taken Jalen Harris. They should have went with like a Jeremy chin or another playmaker or something along those lines. Uh, it's over with now. They took Jalen Harris, the backup quarterback. So, but I understand being upset with Howie's decision there. But I mean, this Kenneth Murray thing and then the, the hoopla that's coming with it now, I mean, that's silly. Every de- I, I guarantee you, every defensive coordinator that has an offensive minded head coach and the GM wants to address the offensive side, he's going to come with an opinion during the draft of a defensive player he wants. I'm sure of it. I'm sure that they do that. This is silly that we're taking this that far. That's that's just how I feel about it. It's becoming such a huge thing on on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I had to finally say it on the podcast and get your thoughts on it, Ed. But I just think a draft decision doesn't matter. I think Jim Schwartz has full say on the whole entire defense no matter what. I think not getting somebody in the first, second round, there's too many positions on the field to to limit to one side of the ball when you go into a round. And I, I don't think you could just listen to Jim Schwartz for – Every single round, of course, he's going to say defensive players every single round. That's his job. That's, right. his, that's his unit. So I, I think it's another silly season because we're losing right now. But uh, I still think Jim Schwartz has full personnel control of that defense. I don't. That, my mind is not changed on that front whatsoever. But moving on, uh, you talked to Jermon Brown today. He's filling in at right guard for Matt Pryor now. I thought that was a little interesting because Jermon Brown is more of like a left guard. I thought that maybe. Perhaps if they had to make this switch, they would put Herbie back at right, Jamon at left. Clearly, they feel comfortable with not making that swap. They think Mulata and Herbie, and rightfully so, are holding it down on the left side. Uh, put put Brown in at the spot that where we need him. I think this is an upgrade, though. To be honest with you, I feel like it's kind of a blessing in disguise. I think Matt Pryor has been the weakest link of that offensive line, but we also have Jack Driscoll making a start. So this whole right side is still fairly completely new. Uh, What's your thoughts on that? What's your concern level right now with the O-line, Ed? Well, just to address your first point there about moving Herbig over from the uh, left back to the right, um, I just think it comes down to not wanting to impact two different uh, positions on the offensive line. And offensive line, which has already been, you know, juggled and shuffled and, you know, reshuffled so many times. Um, And now Jamone Brown, I mean, he, he does bring experience. Obviously, he's made 47 starts in the NFL. He's been in the league for five years. He came in uh, third-round pick in 2015, uh, played in 60 games, three different teams. So, I mean, he does have experience, but you hope that he would rise to the occasion in this situation. Um, and he has been here, I think, since September 15th when they signed him off the Bears practice. Right. Well, he's had a full month, really, to immerse himself in this offense. He, he should be good. And I think you mentioned Matt Pryor. He did struggle. Uh, last week against the Steelers, it was you know fairly obvious when you rewatch the game and look at the coaches' tape that you know he had some issues. Um, so yeah, maybe this is a situation where Jamone Brown now is going to uh, be the starter not only Sunday but probably Thursday night against the Giants and and maybe coming out of the bye. Uh, it'll depend where Isaac Ciamalu is at that point too, because then I think once he comes back, then they put Herbert back. Uh, over on the right side, and you and you hope Lane Johnson's healthy enough to come back too. But um, right now, I mean, obviously, it's always a concern when you're switching up our offensive linemen, especially against a defense like the Ravens that likes to, you know, bring pressure, likes to confuse you a lot. Like Pittsburgh, maybe having played Pittsburgh's front will help the Eagles uh, in that regard because they've kind of seen a similar defense in Pittsburgh just a week ago. Um, but still, it's going to be a tough, uh, tough task for the Eagles, and you hope. That, you know, uh, um, 
uh, Travis Fulgham can, you know, he can get open on deeper patterns and Wentz will have the time to find him. Otherwise it could be a check down game to Zach Ertz if that's the case. Um, or even Greg Ward coming out of the slot because he might have to get rid of the ball quicker than he likes if this pressure starts to get to him. Um, I hope not. I'd like to see Fulgham have another nice game. Um, but, you know, he's going to need time to work his way downfield, and Carson's going to need time to let him do that and then, uh, you know, release the ball hopefully in a, in a clean pocket. But we'll see. I mean, it's that offensive line has been a concern from day one, and it still isn't any better six, games, six weeks into the season. Giovanni, I have a question for you, and I wonder. I wonder if I want to get your opinion on it, and then we'll get Ed's opinion on it. Do you think Jordan Malata has done enough so far to remain left tackle? Uh, I, I, I think so. I, I think, I think he has, and, and I think he, he'll remain there. That's that's a good opinion. I think so too. I think I, I think it's criminal at this point the way he's playing to take him out of there, Ed. I'm sure you agree as well. Uh, especially given how young he is, I think he could continue riding with the youth. Jason Peters probably is finally in his last year with this team once and for all. Uh, but my question is, say Jermon Brown struggles, and now we all know Matt Pryor has been struggling as is. Jason Peters comes back. Do you open the idea up to put him back at right guard? Yeah, why not? I mean, you're paying him extra money anyway. Let's see what you can – let's see if he can uh, go back and play that spot. Um, but I want to ask Giovanni, have you ever um, – I know you've been to training camp, not this year, of course, but the years past. Did you ever meet uh, Jordan and Malata? Did you ever see him coming off the field? Mm, I don't I don't think so. Uh, well, maybe next training camp. I mean, we really got to get a picture of you next to Jordan Malata, standing with Jordan Malata. I mean, that he's like the biggest person I've ever seen. Oh, man. He's 6'8", uh, Giovanni. He, Six, eight. Oh my God! Three hundred and forty-six pounds is what he's listed at, but he's probably closer to three hundred and sixty pounds. Um, it's he's, funny because he's bigger Jack, than Bigfoot, man. Yeah, he's huge, and he's the night, and he's a really, really nice guy too. You know, he's really, um, you know, a, a nice guy to talk to. I mean, that'd be great if we could somehow find out a way to get you a picture with him, um, because that'd that be would be awesome. Yeah, because I, I've seen a picture um, – well, Jack Driscoll was asked about it. Jack Driscoll, who's going to start for Lane Johnson on Sunday, he's 6'5", you know, 315, and he's used to being like the biggest guy in the room too because he's 6'5", 315. But even he said when he looks at Milotti, he's like, I look up at him, and he's like, he's the biggest guy I've ever seen. <laughs> and then he remembered meeting Yao Ming, who was a basketball player for the Houston Rockets, Giovanni. I don't know if you remember him, but – Yao Ming was like seven foot four or five. He was seven six, man. He was tall as hell too. Yeah, I couldn't believe that. Yao Ming was insanely tall. But yeah. I honest, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I'm cheering for Jordan Milano to be the left tackle of this team in the future. Yeah. I all due respect to Andre Dillard, and I'm it's a shame because I think he came into a situation that just didn't work out for him so far. But Jordan Mulata, I'm all on that train. And not only that, you're guaranteed to have that guy for the next 10-plus years. So that's another huge reason why I'm uh, kind of gravitating towards that idea of, of Jordan Mulata being this long-term left tackle for this team. And it's a great story. I mean, yeah. you you have to root for those kind of stories. Like Seventh-round pick that came from playing rugby, completely new to football, and then Jeff Stoutland comes out of nowhere and develops this kid into a service. He's already serviceable. Now we just see what he can become moving forward. But uh, I'm excited for Jordan Mulata. Ed. Want to know why I'm hype? And Giovanni, want to know why I'm hype? Will Parks is back, baby. I think we're very underrating that addition back to that secondary. And not only that, Ed, 
now that you're telling me you got the injury report while we were uh, recording, so I haven't been online to see it yet or anything like that, but you did you did announce that Duke Riley is out for this game. I was thinking, unfortunate to the, the viewers and Giovanni himself, I did not think Will Park's return will hinder Nate Gary. I think this team is – Jim Schwartz is still an all-in on Nate Gary to much of our dismay. I did not see Will Park's return really hindering it that much, but I did think uh, – as the week continued, you, you kept seeing Duke Riley snaps decrease, decrease, decrease. I thought it was going to be almost to a full uh, getting him off the field completely once Will Parks is back, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, Parks, I think, you know, obviously it's his first game back, but he would make a nice spy for uh, Lamar Jackson, right? Absolutely. I mean, you know, try to yes. keep an eye on Lamar and try to, wherever he goes, you shadow him. I mean, he would be good in that role because he's got the athleticism. But it is his first game back. You don't know what his conditioning level is going to be. Um, you know, getting back in football shape takes time. Right. But, new uh, team, new system. I'm just happy yeah. he's back, to be honest with you. We're that That's desperate really, at that position. But yeah. I, I, it was an overreaction, but we had him on this show. I talked to him this offseason. Last two years, the guy has been training with Malcolm Jenkins specifically for this role on a defense. Got taught the Jim Schwartz system straight from the guy who ran it the best. I – I'm excited for Will Parks. I think this dude really has a future with this team. Uh, you hope uh, – he already got the raw end of the stick, though, being hurt because uh, he's on a prove deal contract. So you hope over these next couple of weeks he can step up and show you something. But I think the Eagles have something in him for sure. I'm excited for him to be back. I do agree with you, though, Ed. I don't think you – but, again, though, Marcus Epps looks like he might be out this week. I don't know if that was on the injury report either. Uh, um, I, I did see that Graylin Arnold was the protected – player so i'm assuming if epps is out gray and arnold is up yeah um marcus epps is yeah he's out he's out so that goes now that goes more into parks playing too that helps park get because they have to at this point because i'm assuming Jalen most plays corner again yeah i mean you have Kayvon wallace that could play more snaps now we talked you did speak to Kayvon wallace today yeah going into that because i I was wondering i want to see more out there i would love to see more Kayvon wallace yeah, and he would love to be out there more. Um, but he said he's staying patient. Uh, his time will come. Uh, you know, he got his little, he got a pretty uh, big bunch of snaps against the uh, the 49ers. He played Kittle, mm-hmm. talked about a missed tackle that he made against Kittle, but, you know, said he needs to play better, um, wasn't happy with the way he played, and that's good. You know, you always want to try to keep getting better and better. You don't want to go out there in your first game and be perfect, but – you know, I think Wallace can help this team too. I really do. And I, I think it's time that the raps probably come off of him, Sean Bradley. And we might see Bradley more now that um, uh, who, who's out? Uh, Duke Riley. Duke Riley's out. TJ Edwards has been on IR now. So we might see a little more of Sean Bradley this weekend because they're a little lower on the on the linebacker depth chart there. Uh, and then Kayvon Wallace. I just think, you know, he's talked about wanting to, you know, keep getting better and he knows his time's going to come. And when it does, he wants to be ready. And I think that game against the Niners was a good learning experience for him. You know, he sees things now on tape that he did or didn't do, and he's only going to get better from it. And um, again, we could see more of him with Epps down too. I know Parks is going to be available, but again, how many snaps can Parks play coming back? I mean, we're going right. to see, uh, you know, what his fitness level is and, um, it wouldn't surprise me maybe if him and Kayvon kind of rotated in and out to try to keep Parks fresh for later in the game. So, you know, we'll see how Schwartz plays it. That's probably how they play it, though, I would assume, is that the latter of what you just said. I, I would expect it to be more Kayvon uh, Wallace than it would be a Will Parks speed. You just can't ask a guy coming off an injury to, to push it that hard. Uh, but I'm just excited for him to be out there. Uh, mm-hmm. Giovanni, 
You told Derek Gunn you think the Eagles will beat the Ravens. I don't know if Ed's as confident as you. I don't know if the viewers are as confident as you. So I'm gonna I'm gonna let you have the floor a little bit. What you woke up this morning and you thought about this game. What are your feelings right now? And then what can you run past Ed about it? So let's see what he thinks about it. You know, I'm 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 confident and I'm kind of relying on uh, the Christmas tree and and the fans being there. Because I think the fans being there will make a big difference. I think so too. I, I agree with that. That's a good point. I think the fans be. I mean, it's going to be seven thousand, so that's that's about sixty thousand less than what they allow in there. But I mean, I think it does make a difference to have screaming fans behind you, and then it, it could mm-hmm. it could really pick a chemistry up a little bit. Uh, the one thing is, Darius Slay looks like Ed finally gets to play in front of the, his the Eagles fans for the first time because it looks like he's going to play this weekend. Yeah, he's listed as questionable. Um, you know, Doug said he's out of the concussion protocol, but, you know, again, he has to remain symptom-free uh, until kickoff, of course. If he has any other symptoms, then he won't play. But he's listed as questionable, but the expectation is he will play. And my goodness, if he doesn't, then what? But uh, Most important player on defense right now. There he is. Yeah. They need him yeah. out there. But, you know, Giovanni mentions the fans. And, you know, I was in Pittsburgh last Sunday, and they had – 4,800. They didn't even, they, the Pittsburgh couldn't even draw the full allotment of fans. Wow. Uh, there were a bunch of no shows cause they could have fit, you know, another seven or 800 in there and they just didn't come. But, um, but I'll tell you what, th- those 5,500 fans, they, they made some pretty loud noises and they were, they were waving those terrible towels or whatever they call them in Pittsburgh. I mean, they were waving them. They made some noise. And I think some of that noise was, you know, mixed in with some of the artificial stuff too. Cause it really seemed to me like, 5,500 fans shouldn't be making this much noise because it seemed pretty loud. But but I think that's going to help Philadelphia. I think it'll help the Eagles on Sunday having their fans in there, maybe throwing some artificial noise in there. Uh, and it should be loud. You know, I hope the Eagles – I hope it's not booze. You know, I hope the Eagles come out and play well uh, and, and and get the fans behind them. But I, I like – you know, Giovanni, I, I like his pick of the, of the Eagles beating the Ravens. I mean, I, I picked the Eagles to win, believe it or not. Um, I haven't been right a whole lot this year. With my well, well uh, you've been close on score predictions, actually. Though I will say they might the picks might not be right, but your scores are pretty damn close. What what score prediction you and Ed? <laughs> well, uh, you know, twenty three to twenty is the way I have it, and that would mean a really uh, yeoman. They want to give me another heart attack, man. I don't know if I could take this anymore. I don't know if my heart pressure could really handle all these games that they keep me on the line for. I think they're going to be okay against Lamar. I think they're going to have, like I said, I think they're going to have a plan for him. Um, I think Lamar, they're catching him at a right time. He's trying to learn to be more of a quarterback, more of a dropback guy, rather than just doing stuff with his feet. So um, he doesn't have a whole lot of weapons other than his tight ends and Hollywood Brown. Um, so I think the Eagles can do some things defensively. The running game is certainly a threat. You know, they run – Several guys at you. J.K. Dobbins um, looks great right now. Yep, he he looks good. I mean, they haven't used him too much. I mean, they're really relying on Mark Ingram, but yeah. you know, Dobbins looks good when they use him. So, I mean, they're going to have to stop the run because I think they'll do a decent job against the pass. But the Ravens, they, they average, I think, over thirty points a game. So, the Eagles' defense is going to have to come to play to hold them down to twenty points. But I think I think they can, and I think they'll be able to move the ball. I really do. I think that um, you know. So far to me, Jeff Stoutland, the O-line coach, has been the MVP getting this line ready to play. Absolutely. I think he'll have them ready to play again. Uh, and I think there'll be some plays to made down the, 
be made down the field to Travis Fulgham, the GOAT, and uh, uh, <laughs> Zach Ertz. I think they're going to get him more involved. Zach Ertz, scores, Zach Ertz scores this weekend for sure. I don't I, know I how involved he'll be, but he will score. Because I every time I think he's going to be involved, he isn't. So I'm not going to go out there and say that quite yet, but I think he will score. Yeah, yeah. At Freedom Mortgage, freedom means helping veterans achieve their home financing goals. Whatever freedom means to you, Freedom Mortgage has custom loan options to meet your needs, making home financing a custom fit. That's freedom. Visit freedommortgage.com forward slash VA to learn more. Freedom Mortgage Corporation, MLS number 2767, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org, 951 Yamato Road, Boca Raton, Florida, 33431, 800-220-3333. Licensed in all 50 states. For complete licensing information, visit www.freedommortgage.com forward slash state dash licensing. Equal housing opportunity. At Freedom Mortgage, freedom means helping veterans achieve their home financing goals. Whatever freedom means to you, Freedom Mortgage has custom loan options to meet your needs, making home financing a custom fit. That's freedom. Visit freedommortgage.com forward slash VA to learn more. Freedom Mortgage Corporation, MLS number 2767, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org, 951 Yamato Road, Boca Raton, Florida, 33431, 800-220-3333. Licensed in all 50 states. For complete licensing information, visit www.freedommortgage.com forward slash state dash licensing. Equal housing opportunity. Yeah, let's go, Ertz. Yeah, I think – well, I set the over-under on his catches this week at six. So, uh, it, clearly it looks to me like you're he taking it. No, no, he could get those catches. I don't know about the yardage, though. I might take the under on the yardage to those catches because he yeah. might – because uh, just from over the, the grapevine, sounds like they're trying to do a lot of screens with him and line of scrimmage stuff with him to get him involved a little bit more now. So, if that's what they continue to do against the Ravens, I think this is a matchup where you could do that against. But I think – Unfortunately, we're going to hear LJ Sports name a lot this weekend and like, oh, that guy used to play for the Eagles, remember? <laughs> yeah. I can't wait for the timeline to be like to when we go into halftime and LJ Ford has like uh 12 tackles and uh maybe like one interception and um, we're talking about killing Howie and Jim Sports at halftime for picking Nick Gary over him. That's really what they did. Unfortunate it is they did pick Nick Gary over him, but uh and even Patrick Queen, you know, it's like but you know, Connor, you're right about that. Uh, the Eagles fans wanted a wide receiver in the first round, and they no, would they, they, they needed a wide receiver. It's not so, even just what we hindsight, wanted. Hindsight, you can say, "Oh man, we could have had Patrick Queen after he makes ten tackles this weekend," but they weren't going to go that route. It's not even hindsight, to be honest with you, sir. Because look at this: how this wide receiver run happened, though. All the talented guys went off the board extremely quick. At the time you get to fifty three, you were looking at Denzel Mims as your best option at wide receiver, and he hasn't really done much this season at all because he's been hurt, hurt with the Jets. Uh, if if you would have went, because the Eagles weren't trading up, let's not get into that because that wasn't happening. If you would have taken a linebacker or any other position in the first round, and you would have went to the second round and waited till your biggest impact at wide receiver to be added, being Denzel, Mims. I know Jalen Rager's been hurt and hasn't added quite of impact yet, but at the time. If the Eagles would have did that at that time, that would have looked extremely bad, and we would have killed them. Everybody would have been going for the throats, and the, the Howie would have gone for his own throat, to be honest with you, because then he would have known, oops, I was kind of depending on this draft to add that big playmaking wide receiver. I needed to do it in the first round because guys like Brandon Ayuk, uh, Justin Jefferson, Henry Ruggs, CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, all these good guys went off the board extremely quick. So – uh. To me, that's just silly. I we're even talking about this because it's just because Jalen Rager's not out there playing. Once he gets out there playing and gets his feet underneath him and builds this repertoire of Carson Wentz, we're going to be seeing more things that he did, like Week One with that fifty-five yard catch bomb. 
the the best thing for Jalen Rager's prospects going back to this team, and I know we keep segueing into different topics now, but I just want to say this real quick. The best thing for Jalen Rager's transition coming back now is the fact that Travis Fulgham is playing the way that he's playing. That's going to compliment him so well. This, we're, you're, we, I honestly think you're looking at the future X and Z of this team. And that's huge because they haven't had consistency at those positions. Uh, I'm this nothing that nothing that's been happening in Jalen Rager right now has dropped me off his train at all. They added a talented playmaker. They did, and I the, enough with the noise about he wasn't worth the first round pick or they could have went Justin Jefferson. The Vikings were heavily in on Jalen Rager. Who knows? They could have picked him if he would have hit twenty two. And also the Saints. I think by the way the Saints picked. It looked like they missed out on their guy because they took an offensive lineman at those Caesar Ruiz when nobody expected them to. Uh, they were also went on Jalen Rager. So the guy was a first round talent. His dad played the NFL. He learned from his dad to play the NFL. His dad was a Super Bowl champion in the NFL. He was grown up on football pedigree. It's just an injury right now. The kid was looking good out there when he was out there. Uh, Carson Wentz was looking bad when Jalen Rager was out there. Now that Carson Wentz is looking slightly better. Uh, well, I think he's a lot better. This Pittsburgh game, when I watched all 22 this week, I, I, I think I could finally say to myself, Carson Wentz is finally has his head right back on his shoulders. Uh, once Jalen Rager gets this Carson Wentz, and once he gets uh, a complimenting teammate that's like Travis Fulham, the way he's playing right now, it's going to be lights out for this kid. And I think John Hightower also gets better in time. That ball tracking skills uh, is still an issue with chemistry with your quarterback. It's, I don't think it's an issue on John Hightower because ball tracking was actually one of his strong suits at Boise State. That was one of his good things. That's one of the things I highlighted. I thought he uh, was he would ball track the ball pretty well. Uh, excuse me, tracking the ball pretty well. I just don't think he has the the full chemistry of Carson Wentz yet. I think more time, more experience in the league, more times lining up against NFL caliber cornerbacks. That catch against Pittsburgh in the end zone happens the more time goes on. So I'm not worried about John Hightower either. I'm, I'm excited for these young guys. I am. I I just. I don't give up so quickly like other people do. I mean, this is it's, dude. Be, we're what we're four games into the season, and we're and we're talking about if the Eagles made the right pick at that wide receiver in the first round. Not even wide receiver. They, we were asking if we made the right pick in the first round. Four games into the season, that's that's an overreaction. That's an overreaction. I'm sorry, it's just because he's not playing right now. Patience. We we need to practice patience. With these I, guys. You have to. They're one through your one. We, we don't know what they are. We don't know what the Philadelphia Eagles are right now. We have to be patient. But, right. Giovanni. Yeah. Well, go ahead, Ed. Go ahead. Oh, good, Giovanni. You got any more? Giovanni, you got it? I know you got some Eagles stuff up your sleeve, man. I know. Who? Let's, let's go. Let's do this one. Let's do this one. We each pick who our offense and defensive MVP is of this game. Like, even if they win or lose, who do we think plays the best on offense and who do we think plays the best on defense? I'll start it off with, I think on offense, this is a Carson Wentz game. I think Carson Wentz take, puts this game on his shoulders. I think he wants to win really badly. and wants to win it for the fans at home that are finally coming to a game. This could be a Carson Wentz game for – and it's a tough defense. Really good secondary. Uh, Matt Judon is no joke as a pass rusher. Clayus Campbell is going to invoke havoc on the front guys, especially all these new guys up front. It's going to be a tough game, and they need Carson Wentz to step up. I think he has to be the offensive MVP. And then defensive MVP – Rodney McLeod, I think he's going to take the difference. I think he's going to be the difference maker this week on defense. He has been every week so far, but I think he's going to uh, really set the tone on defense this week. I just want to say those were the two people I was going to pick. How did you read my mind? 
Those are good. I mean, I I I shouldn't have took Carson. Well, I should have known you were going to take Carson. I know that, but I mean, those are good picks, Giovanni. I think it's fair, right? Carson's going to run all over the field. He's going to he's going to show Lamar uh, that he can run. Hey, Lamar! These these white country folk guys can run too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I like it. So, hey, who do you Carson, think? Carson's big, physical. Lamar's fast, elusive. Two different styles, but yeah, I hope Carson uses his legs. Um, who do I think? Well, I mean, you know, I kind of been touting Zach Ertz here with the over under on the catches and stuff, so I'm going to go with Zach. I think, I just think he's due. I think, um, I think the Eagles realize they need to put him back in the game plan a little more. I wrote a story yesterday that I don't think he's been a part of the game plan as much these last couple of weeks. I mean, his targets might sound like a lot. He's got 35, which is a lot, but. You look at the previous years, and he's been – I think he had 54 a couple years ago, 67. Look where his targets are on the field, though. That shows, that tells you the whole entire story. Yeah, I know. They're expecting more yards after the catch. But I think they get back into using Zach more. I think he, they, they get him a little bit more involved. We already said we think he's going to take uh, catch a touchdown, um, and I think he will. I think – so I'm going to go with uh, – I'm going to go with Zach as my, uh, my offensive MVP from this game. And – on defense, you know, Darius Slay doesn't have an interception yet. He's Every year he's been in the league, he's had one, except I think his rookie year or maybe his second year in the league. There's only been one time in eight years that he hasn't had one. Here we are six games in. Um, and Lamar Jackson's, you know, his completion percentage is low. He hasn't been as accurate as some of the quarterbacks the Eagles have played in recent weeks. And I, I think Slay gets an interception, he, and he is the defensive uh, MVP of the game. So I got Ertz with a touchdown, offense, Slay with a pick, defense. They're they're my guys. Those are my backup picks, I'm not going to lie, because I look at the safety position for the Ravens. It's not – Chuck Clark is a good player, but he's really their their box guy. Jordan Elliott, I think Zach Ertz can take advantage of. The linebacking core, I mean, LJ Ford is a good player and Patrick Queen's a great player as well, but I think Zach Ertz can also win the matchups against them as well. I I think this is a good matchup against Zach Ertz this week, and – I feel like, Ed, your pick kind of is based on some of the things you saw this week that you can't talk about. So <laughs> I'll just honestly, because you seem a little confident about Zach Ertz more than uh, most really are right now. But I'd like the Darius Slay pick, though, because I do, I do think that they need a big week from Darius Slay. Uh, Hollywood Brown is going to give them some trouble on the back end. But like you said, I think my huge issue with Lamar, because I don't think I'm worried about him passing against the Eagles defense, I think. This is the week where he can get his legs back underneath him, though. That's the only worry I have is the Eagles containing Lamar Jackson. It's probably my hugest worry going against them in offense. Uh, but I do think this is – I think this is the league of matchups. I don't necessarily think the Ravens are better than the Steelers, per se, for on paper. But I think matchup-wise, this is a better matchup for the Eagles than it was against the Steelers, especially with the secondary being depleted as is. You're looking at Hollywood Brown and a bunch of guys over there. And Mark Andrews obviously isn't really having the best season either right now. Uh, he has a ton of drops. So, but again, he's going up against Nate Gary. So, uh, that, those ton of drops could turn into easily four touchdowns. But <laughs> yeah, we saw it with Tyler Higby. Wait, can can I make another prediction? I, yeah. uh, yes, you can absolutely. Sorry, Ed, I don't mean to one up you, but uh, I think Slay has three interceptions. Yeah, I like it. Whoa, that's a big. It. If he has three interceptions, though, oh, I'm going to go crazy. That's a Slay day. Yes, it is. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be great. He had uh, he had eight. And I'm looking at his 
bio here. He had eight interceptions in 2017 with the Lions. Um, he does. Yeah, he is a bulldog. So, Asante Samuel loves him. Three in a game. He can get three. Yeah, he's probably done it. I'm sure he's done it before. I'm sure that he's been that good. I'm sure Mitch, Mitch Trubisky probably was the one he did it against. I mean, he has sleigh days all the time, so. He's been locked down. He's really the most important yeah. player on that defense right now, and it's not a joke. Oh, yeah. He's yeah that makes more said the truth. I'm just – Hollywood Brown's speed worries me. But obviously, like you said, the rest is like Willie Sneed and Devin Duvery and James – like a bunch of guys right now. Uh yeah. I just wonder how who would you put Darius Slay and tell him I want you to shadow Mark Andrews? Because I don't really think you could tell Darius Slay to shadow, uh, shadow Hollywood Brown because the speed is going to catch up to anyone. It doesn't matter who you are. Tight ends have been a tough matchup for this team. Um, you know, Mark Andrews really plays a receipt. He's really their ex. I, I mean, who's a speed guy that can cover? You know Hollywood deep. I mean, that's unfortunately that. he's playing bad this year. But I would have said Nicole Ruby Coleman. Yeah, he's really been kind of a disappointment, which is a surprise. I thought he would have more of an impact. I mean, he had a really good but, uh, camp. I was really <laughs> high on him. Yep. And, and same with. I mean, it just shows you how much do you really learn from camp. I mean, I was high on JJ Ortega Whiteside coming out of camp. I, high on Nicole Ruby Coleman. I mean, it's just so hard to judge in camp. I mean, they look good in camp, these guys, and then the season begins and. Uh, sometimes they don't look good, and that's what we're seeing with Nikel and and JJ for sure. I mean, Nikel's been good in the league, though. It's I, I yeah. Me, I, I think at some point you have to realize Rasul Douglas is out there looking great in Carolina. Sidney Jones is out there in Jacksonville looking great. Maybe it's the coach. <laughs> maybe 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 it's the guy. Maybe the coach is making the secondary look. But I think Darius Slay is uh, a top five talented. Co- uh, in, in terms of cornerback play, though, I think you can put him in any system and he'll thrive. He's been in almost every system, uh, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know. I just think that's a, that's on the coach at this point because watching Brazil play well, watching Sydney play well. Uh, I know some those guys really did need a change of scenery more than anything too, but uh, they need that change of scenery because the, the the coach they got drafted to wasn't making them look that great. So I, I don't know if I can fully go out there and be like. Nicole Ruby Colvin is awful because I can guarantee you uh, if he goes somewhere else next year and he looks good, I'm going to be pointing fingers at the coach again. And chances are that's going to happen. But this is a good show, gentlemen. This is a good this is a good little wrap-up. Uh, Giovanni, what was the score? You you, I, you told D-Gun a really close score. I, I, was it 21 or 20? 20 I, no, 21-17. 20, 21-17. That's a good score, too. I think the Eagles do win this week. Actually, I'm, I I changed my tune a little bit. I I think this is because it's a league of matchups. I think every week is a game of matchups. You can't look at record. You have to look at the teams on paper and how they go up against each other. And I think for a depleted secondary going against really two legit receiving options, and that's it, helps them out big time. Uh, the offensive line, Ronnie Stanley's the best left tackle in the league. Orlando Brown's a great right tackle, but the interior is struggling since Marshall, uh, Marshall Yana uh, retired. I think. Our, I like our interior guys against their interior guys this week. That's a great matchup. I think this is a week where the defense can play up to par because they don't have to worry. I mean, they have to definitely count for Lamar running the ball. I think that's where they, the Ravens will gash the Eagles defense the most in uh, is the run. But other than that, I think this is – you have to yeah, – it's a passing league. You have to win the game by passing the ball. I think the Eagles can control the Ravens passing offense uh, fairly well, I think, actually. 
So that's why I like this matchup a little bit more on the Eagles side. I think it's going to be a close game, though. I think it's going to be so close. Man, yep. I think it's going to be 14-13. Wow. Yeah, if, I'm going if, so, so uh, slow. If, if, there, if that's the score, Connor, you're going to make me have a heart attack. <laughs> I think so too, man. But I mean, I I look at these defenses, and I think that they have great matchups for both those defenses this week. Uh, going against these both offenses, both of these offenses, excuse me. I mean, Travis Fulham, I think is going to score. I think Zach Kurtz is going to score. But outside of that, I the Ravens play the run very well, I, and it's not like Eagles are committing to it anyways. So. I don't think it's going to be a run down your throat type of game. I think Miles Sanders will have those two big runs, and then Doug will say, you know, Miles, your fatigue is showing, and then just keep passing the ball because I don't expect Doug to switch it up this week go more into the run as much as we would love to. Well, when was the last time the Eagles saw the defense saw the team under 20 points? Oh, it's, it's true. Uh, I don't know. I'm just I, – I don't, I don't know. Be, it has to be last season because it wasn't this year, that's for sure, right? Yeah. No. Even Nick Mullins put uh, the, the 49ers had 20. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I mean, I have the all-time results here in the media guide. I guess I could look through and see quickly because, you know, if that happens, I'm going to have to know the answer to that. <laughs> I'll look at Eagles 2019 season because I'm going to say it might have been against the the Giants maybe. Um. Yeah, well, it was against the Jets. They had a, uh, They only gave up uh, six. If that's Jets. the last time, that's not good because Luke Falk was playing quarterback, so that's why. Well, no, there was a. Uh, they they only they held the Buffalo to thirteen last year. They held that's Chicago good. to they fourteen. The Patriots to seventeen. Seattle to seventeen. Yeah. Giants to seventeen. So uh, down, Cowboys to nine, and then yeah, the Giants to seventeen. Yeah. That is, yeah, that's that's not bad. Look at, Jim Schwartz. Look at Jim Schwartz getting some redemption here. That's darn good to hold those teams under 20 points. You know? Yeah, I mean, some, of the, some of them have contacts, though. Dak, Dak, Dak was hurt. Uh, I mean, still. Yeah, they, had the, they, they had the best. Was on the road. Josh Allen. You're right. Um, no, you're absolutely right. I th- you're right. But it, it's not looking that way this season, though. That's the huge thing that we're having an issue with them on. <laughs> England and Seattle under 20 points with Tom Brady and Russell Wilson. That's pretty good. But one point you brought up earlier in the show that I want to end it on is that Lamar has not been that great passing the ball this year. And, I mean, it's not like his options are helping him out. But this is a passing offense that you can win against. It's just the run. And I I worry about the run and worry about Lamar on the hops and stuff like that because of our linebacking play. But uh, if you go into this game plan on defense and you focus on the run and you say, you know what, Alex Singleton is great against run recognition and Sean Bradley has shown us some stuff in the red zone against run recognition. Let's put the guys that are good at stopping the run on the field because Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, and Lamar Jackson's feet over there are looking pretty electric right now. We need to have everybody all hands on deck for be good against the run. That's how I would attack it this week with the linebackers, just because I'm not that too concerned with the pass. Because I know everyone, uh, Johnny Page, our co-host, and uh, Tyler Stedgev, well, they're always first to say, those guys cannot cover whatsoever. But this is the week I'm not that worried about covering because this isn't a huge passing offense that I'm really concerned about. Mm-hmm. You know, the Eagles are good at giving up yards to receivers, so Hollywood Brown is a bit of a concern on the uh, jet sweeps and the uh, double yes. reverses and the Eagles over pursue. I mean, this is really going to have to be a game where you try to make 
Lamar Jackson beat you with his arm. And to do that, you have to stay disciplined. You have to uh, rush disciplined. You can't uh, pinch or cheat inside. You have to contain the edge because it looks like the Eagles' pressure could come from up the middle. You mentioned the weaker interior play of that line versus the tackles who are experienced and very good. Um, so your edge rushers are going to have to stay disciplined and they're going to have to make sure Jackson doesn't get outside of them and turn, you know, uh, what looks like a seven yard loss into a 40 yard run. Um, you have to make him beat you with his arm. And to do that, you have to stay disciplined. You have to shut down the run and you have to make sure Jackson stays inside the pocket to try to find open receivers. Cause I don't think he's going to find a whole lot. And I say that the tight ends are a concern. You hope that maybe the Eagles might have something figured out for that by now after what has taken place, but that's their chance to win. They have to hold Lamar Jackson uh, to becoming a passing quarterback instead of a running quarterback. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Giovanni, any more bold predictions you want to get before we sign off here? Uh, I put you on the spot. I'm sorry. No, it's all right. I think, I think Carson Wentz has, uh, definitely, definitely 30 plus rushing yards. That's a good, that's fair. I think that's absolutely yeah. fair. I think that's a very good prediction, Giovanni. That was a good one. I like that. I think so too. I think he at least has that amount at the very least, for sure. That's a good prediction. All right, guys. So sign off here at Eagles Brawl. We're all, we're, it's actually crazy. Every three, all three hosts think the Eagles win this week. Oh, yeah, it's I, crazy. I, I don't know that's happened this season. That's pretty exciting. And especially yeah. for a one, three, and one team, that's, it's good to hear that we have some faith going on. All right, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys on the Sunday pregame show. We're going live, and Giovanni is joining us for the whole entire show as well. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, tune in for the Sunday pregame show, guys. Thanks. Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new Filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your Filtry air filters today at Filtry.com. Let's clear the air. Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new Filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your Filtry air filters today at Filtry.com. Let's clear the air. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.